Welcome to the Wings Over New Zealand show, New Zealand's aviation podcast series. If you have not already done so, please check out our extensive archive of past shows, either on the Wings Over Cambridge website or on iTunes. Please rate the show on iTunes and leave a review there. And please like our Facebook page. You can find us at www.facebook.com slash show. That's W-O-N-Z-S-H-O-W. You can rate and review the shows there on Facebook, or you can go to the Wings Over New Zealand Aviation Forum, where there's a whole little section just for the show. This episode is part of the Wings Over Australia sub-series. The Wings Over New Zealand show is brought to you in association with the Wings Over New Zealand Aviation Forum, New Zealand's number one aviation discussion forum online. There you'll find discussion on all aspects of New Zealand aviation, from history to current affairs and thousands of photos covering the Royal New Zealand Air Force, airlines, general aviation, warbird restorations, air show news, sport aviation, home building, gliding, aviation media and much, much more. You'll be in good company with other aviation enthusiasts, including pilots, engineers, warbird owners and restorers, historians and authors, modelers, aviation photographers and many others. Sign up to the Wings Over New Zealand community now. It's free and easy. Just Google Wings Over New Zealand and you'll find the forum. Hi, it's Matt Jolly from WarbirdRadio.com. Listen, I am thrilled to have Dave Homewood as part of our broadcast family and bring your stories, the stories of the RNZAF, heard right here on Wings Over New Zealand to our global audience. Thanks for listening. I hope to hear from you sometime at WarbirdRadio.com. G'day, I'm Steve Vischer. And I'm Grant McCarran. And we're from Plane Crazy Down Under, Australia's aviation show. And you can find us at planecrazydownunder.com. We reckon for the best coverage of the Kiwi Warbird restoration and aviation scene, you can't go past Dave Homewood and the Wings Over New Zealand show. On you, Dave. Yeah, good on you, mate. Yeah, we've got to get to New Zealand soon. Where is that anyway? Well, it's where I grew up. I thought that was Brisbane. Extended, the ETOPS Aviation Podcast. Aviation-extended.co.uk And remember, there's no E at the beginning of Extended. Extended. I remember some men started prying and others started crying um, partway through it. One guy got to his feet and started to run. I was scared and let that be no secret. Next thing they set the spando up there and they opened up. And there's bloody trees, bits of trees flying. And... New Zealand tanks were over the other river and one of our men said to them, he said, don't start your tanks up. For five minutes, we'll be out of it. Well, some silly bugger started his tank and the Germans put over a shell and right in the middle of the bridge. It was a bitterly cold morning and I was crouched down in this damn hole and it took me two days before I could stand up straight again. Here are the stories of New Zealanders in the Italian campaign in World War II. The Courage and Valor podcast. www.newzealandersatwar.com The Wings Over New Zealand show would like to acknowledge the great support it's had from Fly DC3. You can fly back in time with Fly DC-3 from Ardmore Airport, charter the DC-3 Dakota and fly into the past. It's an experience you'll never forget. 
Fly DC3. Go to www.flydc3.co.nz. Welcome to the Wings Over New Zealand show with Dave Homewood. Welcome to the Wings Over New Zealand show. I'm your host, Dave Homewood. This is another Wings Over Australia podcast. On the 15th of November 2015, my co-host James Kitely and I called into Werribee, where the B-24 Liberator is being restored. We had the pleasure of being given a grand tour of the aircraft and the museum by veteran guide Nat Eichler. This is the old girl we've seen. And we've got the fuselage of that one. And it was one piece. It was put, sold for scrap. This fellow bought it. The fellow named it. What was his name? Uh, it was it uh, George, George Toy, wasn't it? George Toy. Yeah, yeah. And he took the wings and that off it, and that's the day it arrived up at his property. And those trees grew up to those trees some sixty odd years later, of course. Wow. So when we went in to get it, we wanted to take down that big tree there to um, get it out in one piece, but he wanted too much for it, so we undone the rivets, sort of drilled out the rivets in the middle of the Bombays, and that's the army bringing it up here on two trucks for us. Okay. And that was the colour of it when we got it out from underneath the trees. The trees were through it and over it, and yeah, so it was a bit of a mess. Sure, looks like it. This, this is this place wartime. That's the building you're in now. Okay, yep. There was the sleeping quarters, and there was the rows of aircraft. Only up to Abrahamsons and Oxfords and uh, single engine stuff. Yeah. So it was a flying school here? Not a school. It started off as a recovery unit, uh, and then they started bringing them fighters from. America and so forth, and they unloaded them at uh, Geelong and flew them over here in that little building halfway up to the bigger one up there, the bigger hangar. Um, that was an armament shed, and they armed them up and then flew them north from there. That was fighter stuff, of course. Okay. Yeah. Well, we're, we're talking with Mr. Nat Eichler, a uh, uh, veteran of the B 24. Tell me about your connection with the aircraft. Oh, of course, I was wireless radar operator. There was two of us, and we used to change over from wireless to radar. Um, didn't do a lot, but uh, it was there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and how long have you worked on this project? Since 1994, five, wow. 95, I think it was. Um, we got this, and uh, me and two other fellas, they had... Uh, overhauled tractors in here and so there's oils and, and it was all over the floor and they'd also stored hay so there was hay in it so wow. <laughs> we took it with fire hoses degreasing oils and and uh, skew G's and it come up real good yeah yeah like to be able to do it now <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so actually we got uh, 
that sends a section of the tail out. These stabilizers they're called, um, they see they just put the centre section of the wing up on a container ship, just up on top of containers. Yeah. And these they must have got a bit of a storm, but anyhow the stabilizers didn't arrive. Oh. So we've been able to use that bit and the centre section of the wing in there. We've got out of New Guinea. Right. So the um, the fuse the fuselage of the aircraft was um, from uh, George Torrey's place in Maui in Gippsland, yeah. I understand. And um, then, the, as you just said, the wing came from wing and tail came from New Guinea. So there's two key key bits to the and a lot of other stuff from elsewhere. I yeah. think George lived in it actually first while he was building his own house. Wow. So he he had a, the cockpit area was his kitchen. So he'd bought it as a war surplus item? Yeah, scrap. He was a head of scrap man, man, license. Okay. So he bought it, and I don't know what he intended to do, but uh, um, yes, he used it while he was. And then it got, he was going to turn it into a photographic studio, but oh, right. never got oh. around to it. Gosh. Yeah. And we have the aircraft itself behind us uh, here in the. We're looking at it in the um, this remarkable large hangar, um, which is a wooden construction, but originally designed for steel, steel-clad, I think. And um, you've got a lot of beams holding up the old wooden structure here, haven't you, yeah, as well? well? It was all wooden. All these, uh, we got it under heritage because of the framing. Yeah. In all in timber, and uh, I just sort of. Uh, We've only got um, 98 feet in here. It's too small for us. Right. When they, when we got it, the was that roof wanted to fix it up one bay. Yeah. A storm had come through and done a bit of damage or something. So I said, don't get too settled there because uh, we'll do the roof up and you move up there. And that's 120 feet. Right. Our front. This is only 98. The wingspan of the Liberator is 110, so it just doesn't fit here. Right. Yeah. We can't get the wingtips on at all. Right, and you've got the aircraft that the listeners can't see. The aircraft's actually at 45 degrees now, so it's basically corner to corner, isn't it? Yeah, yeah I suppose you could put it here. Yeah, <laughs> diagonally across, yeah. Well, it's a beautiful looking aircraft now compared to the photographs you've got on the wall here. That was actually the colour of it when we got it out from yeah. underneath the trees. Kind of a greeny... Yeah. Grey and we actually built those uh, timber rackings so that it'd go on a truck. Right, right. This is the uh, a cockpit we take around to air shows and so forth, and the kids have a f ball. They <laughs> get in there and s spin the wheel and all sorts. Right, right. Switch every switch. So. Uh, we say it's uh, for kids uh, under the age of 80. <laughs> That's great. So is there a, a cockpit in the aircraft as well? Or oh, yes, this? yes. So yeah. this is a separate, separate one? Yes, see, yeah. that's what it was like when uh, we got it, so it was pretty well chopped out. Right, right. And we had a notice here if anybody had any of these um, 
instruments would they kindly donate them? And uh, we got uh, two full boards. Wow, that's pretty good. Um, and these are the sort of the seconds and the good ones we've done up and to go these back inside. Yeah. Right. But um, this is for the. And when we take it to the SEO, we've got to bring it back because they pull the thing out and slam it back and all yeah. sorts. Yeah. Uh, that's that wheel. You pull it out, of course, to, uh, yeah. to go up and push her in down. So, of course, we limited that because they were bringing it right out to their chest here and slam yeah. it back. Seeing if they could break it almost. So, yeah. 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 So uh, they just have, have a queue up for them to get in and then give them with their time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we have a turret, um, one of the um, Emerson turrets, is it, just behind you here, Nat? This is the nose turret, yes. Uh, so we'll go up there where that one is. Right. Um, it's uh, a little bit to put on it yet. And. Uh, that will go up there. That was done by a fellow out of Lara. He done it all up. Okay. It's quite a large turret, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, it looks bigger than that one up there, but when you get it up there, they're apparently the same size. Okay. All right. Yeah. And then you around here, we've got the... Uh, mid upper turret, the one that hangs down between the navigator and the wireless operator. Oh yes, yep. He, uh, he crawled in there, pulled his seat up and that's his seat. Oh yes, yep. Pulled his seat up underneath him. And uh, That looks like a tight fit. Well, there wasn't much room and it was oh. cosy. And um, I was here uh, some time ago, Nat, and you actually had this turret operational. That's right. You guys right. Um, zimming around and um, raising and lowering the guns and traversing and everything. Very impressive. Um. Yes, well, it's this one and the ball turret, we put just put batteries on them and operate them. And will this one go into the aircraft eventually, or is this a separate display as well? I think we'll keep it out as a separate display. Right. We've got to put a mock-up one up, which we sort of done now up on top there. Right. And that uh, better if we can get the uh, make up another uh, character and replace them. As a wireless operator, uh, radar operator, did you learn the gunnery side of things as well in your training? Yeah, it was only it wasn't turret trained, was only trained to shooting with the guns. Oh yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. Just so you were competent enough to take over if you needed to sort of thing. Yeah, well we had to go back on the waste gun windows. They're oh, free yeah. guns. Right, right. So you had a other worry there because you could shoot your own plane with them. Yeah. These have got interrupters that uh, you'd give you was holding the trigger down um, they wouldn't shoot, but it got a chance to shoot in their own plane. Right. But yeah, that would be a worry. Oh, limited vision, of course, and it's quite easy to hit, hit your own plane. 
So that was why they had interrupters. But then the free guns and the waste, they're, they're just free gun and yep. they could shoot you. You could follow, be following a plane and the next thing they've got the stabiliser there. Right, yeah, of course, yeah. So uh, whereabouts were the liberated, the Royal Australian Air Force liberators based? Oh, we've got a map down there with, we'll get down near the yep. door there, show you the different bases we had in Australia. Okay. And of course they've got all the different places overseas too. We didn't have any design drawing. We've uh, done it mostly on reverse engineering, and that's what we uh, uh, got out of the dam at Tokemore. Yep. We dug a dam out. We made that, and then we found out we didn't know as much about liberators as we thought we did. So we had to make that one. Ah, right. Just a little wasn't far enough back that way. Yep. The idea of that is, see how that sits out just a quarter of an inch from the yes. fuselage? Yep. When those guns go off, the cordite fumes, which give, you get a whiff of cordite fumes, you get a headache, it's hard to get rid of. Right. So, uh, this, when the guns go off, the this sits out and of course it causes a suction through those holes there. Okay, yep. yep. Sucks the cordite fumes away from it, doesn't go up into the plane. Right, and it vents it all out, outside. Puts it all, keeps it outside, yeah. Right. You can go around there and put your head in that other side and have a bit of a look at it. Okay. They're doing the wiring It's quite spacious in there. Oh, yeah. Well, that's where the uh, Norden bombsail sits there. Okay, ah, on yep. that platform. Yeah. yeah. This is our radar. We just got this uh, just before Christmas, actually. Right. This is the area in a pod that we used to pump down uh, just in front of the um, bomb bays. Okay. Got it all set up now. Yeah, just stand back a little bit. Yep. Like that. You can make it go the other way if you like. Terrific. Great. Someone had fun fitting that up, didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it, it was in the pod and we pumped it down on this little um, hydraulic pump. Yep. You put the lever one way to pump it up and the lever over the other way and it pumps it down. Okay. Mm. So what sort of range did this have? 100 mile. Okay. And you're looking for ships or? Shipping. It, yep. Yeah. Yep. And submarines, I guess, if they're on the surface? Yeah. This is why we got recognised for the reverse engineering by the 
Heritage, Engineering Heritage uh, International. Okay, right. And that's their marker for there. And you've got another one for the building out the front. You might get it in this corner there. Yep, I saw that as we came in, yeah. 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 That's the problem with the radar aerial Senate. Yes. This is there. That's where that is. Can we bend over enough to get in here? You're in the drum bays now. All oh, right. This is your bomb releases, right? This is what your bombs are hooked up on. Yep. So you got them on both sides there. Yep. And then there's another rack, see? Yep. Wow. So, uh, so we're, actually, we're actually standing inside the bomb bay of the aircraft, aren't we? The doors yeah. roll up on the outside. You can see forward into the into the cockpit and down below the cockpit to the nose wheel bay and the bomb aimer's position. You have the you've got the bomb racks. So uh, you got your hand on there, Nat. Yeah, um, that's the releases. Yeah, terrific. That's where the wireless operator is at. You can see where the the. Uh, Mid upper turret was hang down between. Yep. Oh yes, yep, yep. I was there. That was the wireless, and on this side was the navigator, of course. So there wasn't much room up there by the time you got your equipment there. Right. Yeah. Uh, when the wheels went up, the well, for takeoff, the nose gunner and the bomb aimer would stand here on takeoff. And when the wheels come up, they crawl around on that shiny board. Yep. Yep. Up beside the nose wheel, up to the front. Okay. The reason for that is if anything happened, that nose wheel on takeoff, they wouldn't get them out of up there. This is the only way out. Right. So for safety, they stood there on takeoff. Flight engineer stood between the pilots. He had a job to do for the pilots. Yep. And uh, the rest of the crew were down in their positions. Wow. So it was a crew of about 10, was it? 11. 11. We had 11 crew. Right. As I say, there was two of us wireless radar trained. There's a change to the, the, over to the radar. You have to walk through here. Yep. See that little deck up there? Yep. Uh, over the bay. Well, that was the Bombay. That was the radar. Okay, so you were yeah. sort of above and behind the bomb bay. Yeah, got went through that gap and then come back towards the nose of the plane onto that decking. Not a lot of room up there, Nat. Quite a quite a low ceiling. It's probably what um, well, five was, foot high or so. It's not wouldn't be that. Yeah, you yeah. were sitting anyhow. So. Sure. Yeah. And you'd have all the, the radar um, uh, equipment in front of you there. Yeah. Wow, it's really fascinating. So it's quite a big Bombay. It's it's quite a different concept from uh, the likes of the Lancaster and in, in that, isn't it? Well, you yeah. had to crawl over the wing and crawl over the. This is a semi-high wing. Yeah. Yeah, you've got a uh, for the listeners. You've got a view. You've got a walkway down the middle. You can walk. It's pretty narrow between the two vertical bomb racks, and just above our heads is the centre of the the actual aircraft wings, which you've got some pretty major um, rivets uh, holding it all together, haven't you? And, yeah. uh, and then that's bolted to the fuselage. So the the fuselage actually hangs from the wing here. But yeah, you're right, Dave. The 
this is designed for the American 500 pound bomb and none of the really long bombs the British liked. You couldn't drop torpedoes or anything that the, the Brits thought they would be doing. So very different philosophy, yeah. Um, and a lot, I mean, obviously they didn't have radar originally, the B-24s and the early ones, the turrets came in and so on. So it became a much more complex aeroplane. It's a very complicated machine, wasn't it? That's right. And everything had a backup, yeah. which is rather good. Yes. <laughs> So what model of uh, B-24 is this? This is an M model. M model. Well, not much difference. We've had J's in our squadron. Okay. Yeah. What was your squadron? 99 squadron. Right. So the Royal Australian Air Force had Liberator squadrons uh, in Australia and the Pacific. We had seven squadrons of our own and two flights. They had two hundred flight, yep. which was the Z Force mob. Oh yes. Out of flying out of Leyburn uh, and two oh one, which was a wireless jamming mob. Okay. Right. Yeah. So they're both special duties type flights? Yeah they were, mm. yeah. Wow. Okay. And and your squadron, number ninety nine squadron was uh, the radar squadron. Uh, uh, what what were the main targets that you were going for? I was just looking for sh for shipping. Yeah. Okay, so you're sort of you're almost like coastal command liberators in Britain. Uh, same sort of ex ex role and. Yeah. We didn't do much. It was a bit late when we got there. Right. And it's probably more of a more of a hunting role than um, than a defensive role by that stage of the war because the Japanese had lost so much it was um, quite hard to find Japanese ships I should imagine really. Well, yeah. there's little I think uh, Christendom sugar dogs I think. Yeah. Uh, and they used to be going little ones going around the islands supply but we'll cut them out and see that so all the advanced people were out of ammunition and. Yeah food and all that so yeah that was uh, bringing them to their knees because they couldn't service there yeah. we pushed them back so much right right so starving them out rather than yeah. actually bombing them all uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah I think you score better than me getting out from underneath. Um, so yeah, it, it, they you do you did you get in through the Bombay yeah. operation? Yes, yeah, so you'd pull the lever on the little gap on the other side. Yep. And the Bombay doors would come up. Yep. And go in here and, and then stuff through the back hatch. Right. For the cups of coffee and so forth. <laughs> right. Very important. So the, the patrols that you were flying when you were um, doing these anti-shipping patrols, uh, what sort of duration were they? How, how long would you have been about, out, on, out on a flight? About 10 hours. Wow, so that's a, that's a long time to be flying. And well, the longest I'd done was 13 and a half hours. Right, okay. And it's mostly overseas, I guess? Yes, it's what they call creeping line ahead search we've done for a couple of missing planes. Okay. Right. And this is where the oxygen um, 
truck used to pull in, yep. right. plug in here and fill up all the those big yellow cylinders. Yep. They've filled a lot from here. So they must have had a lot of non-return valves, I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> and they feed out their positions, but there's little green ones. Uh, they like so the flight engineer were moving around. He'd have to clip that. Yeah, that's providing those up in that thin air, but we didn't get up that high. No. Didn't need to. Yeah. Radar yeah. 10,000 feet was enough. Right. Yeah. And it flew like this. Yeah. yeah. Not all this headgear and all this other stuff. Right, right. You can uh, go up on the ladder and have a look in the back. You'll see the uh, gun, place gun there. There's a lot of those tanks, isn't there? Those, yes. those yellow tanks. Yeah, I think there's 26 all told. Wow. Some of them you can't see and there's some on the floor. Yep. Right. Yeah, it's all spread over, aren't they? It's not like they have one area. You've seen the little green bottles there. They're the ones they clip on. The one just there in front of that bomb. Oh, yeah, yep. Well, just clip on his belt if you wanted oxygen. Just to move around and. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought of everything for the other things in there. This is the ball tower. That's the one that's the lower down underneath. Yep. And that's the position of him when he's in there. Wow. Looking between his legs out that small round window. That must have been really difficult to get used to, you know, when you when you first got in there and had to had to uh, get used to looking through your legs. At the <laughs> yeah, you're looking. There's a couple either side of that window where he puts his feet in. It wasn't everybody's cup of tea being down there, but then they seemed to get the liking. Yep. It was a very uh, it was a very good turret though, wasn't it? Oh, it was yeah. Very useful yeah. defence. Yeah, I'd hear all sorts of stories, but we never had any trouble. It went up and down. Yeah. So he'd obviously get in after you've taken off and get out before he you land. He was last in and first out, because he knocked eight mile an hour off your speed. Right. So uh, eight mile an hour doesn't seem much today, but in those days it was. Yeah. So... Uh, uh, that is the reason why uh, that was la he was last in and first out. Okay. And we can put just batteries on that and put a fuller in there and operate it. Oh, okay. I bet James couldn't fit in there. Definitely not. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> well, when you say that, um, they used to try and get the smallest ones, but we had a fuller now. He was six foot. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. He was Slim built like you, huh? Yeah, yeah. And only 18 or 19, so yeah. it makes a big difference. It does, yeah, very much more flexible. So you were saying that you do patrols of around 10 hours or even more. Sitting in that for 10 hours, you must get cramp and numb. It must be awful. Uh, I think uh, I was able to get out and stretch their legs and so forth. Okay, right. They probably, they probably like wouldn't be there outside when outside the combat zone. You wouldn't be there for the early part That's of the flight. Right. Yeah. 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 
when you see the amount of water we had to cross over before we could do any damage to anybody. Right, right, yep, makes sense. Yeah. Love of these boys are flying from out Fenton and out here then Townsville. Yep. Um, we was on the main strip of Darwin, of course. Okay. Next to 12 Squadron. And they're the bases. And there's this, this mob here, they used to take, have long trips, so you'd have to go up either to Corona Downs or Truscott. Yep fuel up and bomb up or whatever they was going to do and then go on. And uh, where, where was the area that you your squadron was patrolling most? Was it north of Darwin? That? Up in that area there. Right. What they call that, the Banda Sea. Is it Banda Sea? Something like that. Right. That's um. It's actually really interesting looking at this. I, I come from New Zealand. I come from a, uh, a background where I know a lot about the uh, wartime Royal New Zealand Air Force um, operations. But New Zealand is so far from our operational area, which was up in the Solomon Islands. You know, yes. it, was, it was more than a day's flight away. And you guys were at home in Australia in Darwin and going right up not that far north and you were in the operational area. It's, it's kind of scary how close the Japanese were to where you were based uh, at home, in the home country. Yeah, we took a load of butter to this place here. Okay. Wow. That was an eventful trip that was. We used to go to Townsville, load up, then go up there and back. But in Townsville, uh, we was taken off. I oh, was getting down to do the turn to, uh, uh, to for takeoff, and they'd had floods up there. Right. And the one wheel went down. Yep. And uh, it come to a abrupt stop, and nearly, you know, it had so much momentum. Yeah. That when it sort of come to the jolt end, it would come back, and nearly pulled the uh, nose tire off the nose wheel. Anyhow, that was half past seven in the morning. So they come down and they jacked the plane up, tipped a hole here, crushed rock in, let it down and off jacks and it just put us out of sight. So they've done that and we got out at four o'clock in the afternoon. Wow. With loads of uh, stone being tipped in. Wow. And uh, we took her down for a uh, wheel alignment and she yep. was true. Yep. So we said, well, where are we going? We're not certain. It's on the side of a mountain. So uh, we were to take off in the morning, so we had a night in Tanzel. Right. Yeah. Tell me about wartime Darwin when you were based there. What, what was the town like? Had it pretty much... Uh, you know, had everybody pulled back from the city by that stage? I know that it was attacked earlier in the war. Oh, there was still a, quite a bit. The Navy had a, a big yard there. Uh, oh, there was still a fair bit of it. There was no shops open. Yeah. The, uh, but there were still people, like civilians, living there? Yeah. Oh, right. 
we didn't see much of them. We was, we were, we was camped out the scrub, of course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we didn't see much of them. The aerodrome was a big place and a whole heap of revetment, so it was about a quarter of an hour ordinarily for taxi and before you got to your revetment. <laughs> That's huge. Yeah. Wow. Did you have a problem with the wildlife? Would kangaroos run across the runway or anything like no, that? No, we had nothing like that, no. It's a really big aircraft when you stand here and look at it, isn't it? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's a good aircraft too, my word. What What was it that prompted you to join the Air Force? I just had a keen, I had a giveaway. I was only a farmhand, of course. Yeah. Uh, my parents had both passed on and, and the home broke up. So, uh, but I was keen to get flying, so I give my job of milking cows away and went just doing any old job anywhere. Yep. So that, uh, because those days, manpower was in, and when you got 18, they grabbed you for the army. Right. So I joined the Air Training Corps, and um, that helped me get into air crew. Yeah. Right, OK, OK. Had you wanted to be a pilot, or had, or did you just want to be flying? Just wanted to be flying, actually. Right. right. I guess, uh, like any anyone else who was in a bomber, you had a, a really close bond with your crew. They became a family, sort of thing. Yeah, they were. Yeah. 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 Are any of them still around now? Yes, three of them still alive. One fellow in Sydney, one fellow down here near Lawn, and me. So. Yeah. And you still keep in touch? Yeah. Yeah, great. It, it's that amazing bond the bomber crews had. I found, you know, talking with guys who were in any sort of bomber up in the Pacific or in yeah, Europe. It's yeah, it, yeah. It, it's it's quite special, isn't it? Oh, right. Yeah, that's right. We were just in, in our tents in the um, in the area away from the uh, ground staff. So uh, right. we, we wasn't. Uh, we could get a good sleep. Mm. Right, right. Yeah, now there was the engine. Now we've uh, overhauled uh, and run uh, five motors. Okay. So um, now we are, so they don't rust up on us. Uh, we get one out and and. Um, run it up, have a day that we run them up, give them a few runs. Yep. And then the last gulp of fuel will be oil. So uh, that was oiled all the cylinders up. Yep. It wastes a bit, but uh, uh, at least they, they'll have a coating of oil on them. And yeah. They won't. So that's what we're doing with five motors. We alternate them around and keep them running. And the ultimate plan is, um, if, I'm, if I'm correct, is to get all the, well, the four engines onto the bomber and um, be able to take it out and taxi it, isn't it? Well, we won't be able to taxi it, we won't have the room, I'll show you in a minute. Okay. But um, uh, we'll be able to take it out and, 
and, and run the motors up, yeah. Right, which will be a really impressive sight. Yeah. We take one out there and we've got to take it out away from the white timber here. Yep. So we um, take it out beyond the uh, one of the uh, container ships for right. a bit of safety. Right, right, okay. We go around here. Now you're getting in the Oxford area where Oxford was a training plane for the pilots, a stepping stone to the Liberator. Right. They went from the uh, Oxford up to uh, co-pilot. Right, okay. Well, so, they, so they went straight from the Oxford into, uh, into being the second pilot. Yeah. There, there was no sort of Anson or anything in between, it was just straight in. Well, they'd done a lot of trips, so uh, they yeah. might have done some Anson work as well. Yeah. Uh, but Oxford's, I, 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 I'm not certain because you don't know what went on in other places, but yep. they was the major ones for the pilots uh, going on to multi-engine. Yeah. yeah, it's the standard advanced trainer really, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. I'll just come around here and find out that uh, if... See, here on Saturday we had what they call the Bainet Club. And they pack this place out yeah. with uh, different uh, stores, uh, different types of packaged aircraft. You know, they could buy a kit. And we they pack this place out Saturday. Yeah. And we've... Uh, had to sh make so much room because you wouldn't man you just have a narrow bit in front of the tables yeah. up here yeah. and all around the place and this is heaps of them selling all their wares. Right, right. And of course they've shifted the, oh no, here it is, here it is. Ah. Now, that's our future there. That's the building here in here yes. now, yep. right? Yep. And that's the Oxford and that's the Anson, of course. Yep. Um, we'll build a shed out the back here for the Liberator. Okay. That'll have to be one with about 120 foot Wingspan, to yep. get that in and out. Yep. Be able to pull it out there, run the motors up, and pull it back in. That's about all. Yep. Um, this is the name pavers of the twenty. Or what we we sold them them pavers for a bit of money. Oh yes, yes. And the names pavers and that we there. Right. Okay. And um, there, of course, we'll have the shop and the. Cafe preps inside there. Yep. Excellent. And that'll be our workshop. Right. That's uh, that's really that's a great plan, and it will show the sort of progression through the uh, um, the training through to the to the operational uh, flying with the, with the liberators. Yeah. yeah. Great. Wonderful. And that's where you would have been up there manning the gun and the and the. Uh, yeah, I'd come back onto that gun. Yeah. yeah.
Did you ever see any uh, no, aircraft? No, we I got very excited over all the old books then that I had to go and have a look through, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Terrific. Well, I just handed my book, Layburn was called, that's oh, yeah. Z-Force. Yep. And uh, early days here, the fellow come through and he, he gave me, he said that's the last one and there's no more around. And since then people have been chasing up that book, Layburn. Yep. Uh, and I've just handed mine in to our library. Right. It just shows all the, uh, the um, trips that different ones done. And right. And right. How long those in the air and all that sort of jazz. So those ones that were flying with Z Force, were they dropping them behind the lines and, and yeah. dropping supplies to them? And yeah. Right. Okay. In uh, straws, uh, encasing straws to take the, uh, the impact. Impact. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's what I was trying to think of. Yep. And they were operating up in, in New Guinea and around the islands. And yeah, that's working out at Leyburn, which is out off Toowoomba. Right. And right. not far from Toowoomba. And this is the, the, the boomerang, oh, right. which is built here in Melbourne. Yep. And it has the same engine as the Liberator. Okay, yeah. Pratt and Whitney, they made them under licence uh, when I was building Beauford's yep. over here at uh, Fisherman's Bend. Yep. And this young fella started uh, in his garage. He's put a stanchion on his garage and then uh, when you got the engine and that, it still wouldn't all go in. Yep, yep. So uh, his wife has said, and, uh, like, you've been at it now for long enough, and it's time you've done something else. Right. So he come and seen us, and he, he's worked coming down here, and he takes one or two of our young fellas, and he gets some work in there for him, and he, he just supervises. Okay, okay, yep. Which he, he can, and that that is the uh, the boomerang. Yeah, uh, and it's a type that the New Zealanders knew reasonably well because our Corsair squadrons operated with the uh, boomerang squadrons who marked the targets for them up in the jungles and uh, Bougainville. Yeah, and, yeah you know, the, that's right. Yeah. There yeah, with the army. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Oh. Well. Give a bit of interest for the New Zealand boys to Absolutely. come and see it. Absolutely. Because he's doing a good job. Yeah, yeah. It's an interesting aircraft. Yeah. Oh, he'll finish it. Oh, I don't know whether he'll put wings on it. Because getting space to do wings is a little, a little bit different. Yeah, yeah, exactly. See, yeah, that, that's the goes up and down in front of the uh, nose gunner. Oh, yeah. See those big strong chains yes, up yes. there? Yes, yes, yep. Well, it's got to be strong because that weighs 70 pounds. Wow. And that goes up and down with the guns in, in the nose turret. Right, right. Bit of protection. Yeah. I don't think they're bullets. I think he's run into flak myself. Okay. Because there's all sorts of different dense sort of thing. Yes, yes. And those bubbles there, you heat it up, those bubbles will go out of the, the back glasses there. Yep, yep. See, it's laminated. Yeah. 
That's the big camera where you went up the in the tail, just behind there. I didn't I miss putting that out here. That's that camera there hangs down, and so it's time to go off when the bombs to make certain your bombs are on the, not just out in the sea somewhere. Yeah, yeah, you can see your results. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what they used to say. So none of you buggers can cheat. <laughs> Drop it in the water and come home. So, in terms of the actual anti-shipping patrols, did you did you see many enemy ships and and like, was it a regular thing or you just no, no, pushed them up, just about because it was late in getting up there. Yeah, we done more work and it was flying POWs out of Changi. That were in Changi, they're flying them in, in uh, and from other islands uh, in uh, Catalinas to Darwin. Yep. They'd have a night and sleep in Darwin, and that, and then we'd take them next day to capital city. So we was taking us go to Melbourne or Sydney. Or yep. There's the longest. Trips and the short trips, of course, was Adelaide, and Perth, and uh, yeah, those, those two was the main short trips. Right, right. And that's what they done with that's a flap motor. And after the war, when they sell and stuff, and father made himself a drill yeah. there. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, uh, well, that's a flap motor. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's innovation right there. Yeah. Now. This is the site that's in the ball turret. It's the only turret that has it because he's got that limited time. You don't shoot at the aircraft, you shoot just in front so that they, they meet. So this is a mechanical computer. It's in there. Okay. That's there actually. It's in good order. Yep. Not a worry. But what it used to do was offset the guns. Either way, side he, yep. he worked, he had his job to do. I wouldn't know because I was never in the ball tower. Right. Um, but he, this would upset the guns for him. So he, as soon as he seen it within distance between his legs, he could fire, and this had already had the guns offset, right? Yep. So that, that's a wonderful bit of, it's just purely mechanical. Yeah, great technology. Yeah. And of course this is uh, the couple to the trigger in the, in the turrets. Right. And when they pull the trigger, this is a motor and it feeds, makes certain there's no, pulls and feed through to the guns. Right, okay. And that, that lets it come over around the different things and yep. so forth. Yep. That's the transmitter there. Oh, yes. That's the transmitter with the big valves. Yep, yep. And this is the receiver we used to have. Yep. That, was un that was on the table, that was underneath our table. Okay. And this is where it was the built up um, voltage, high voltage in the. Uh, uh, Radar, 
Yep. That was in a cylinder, of course, it wasn't open like that. Yep. Uh, and uh, that built up quite a high voltage for the radar. Okay. Yeah. And where, where was that drawing the power from, though? Uh, was that coming from the engines, or, for, or did it have its own power source to, to get that? Oh, it just built up from the, the source of the uh, um, supply from the aeroplane. Okay, yep. And just built it up from that. Yep. It's about 28 volts it went up to, oh, I don't know now, it's too long ago. Yeah, yeah. That was where I was able to get uh, bearings for the navigator off. If you it had different places that you could you could go on your, on your transmitter and ask for a uh, a, a, a bearing. A bearing, yep. Uh, and it might be two or three come back and at you. And just to give to the He'd hand that over to the uh, navigator. Yep, and he'd triangulate uh, and yeah, position. Yeah. yeah, or if you was on wireless silence, you could use this on a, a radio station. Okay. And uh, if you were operating, and uh, uh, you could make a bearing up. You just uh, using that yeah and, and then you because the station is a known fixed point that you yeah. can then work out the angle yeah, yeah. this is the early days you see the back of the white is corrosion in there right the tail tower right. And we had to do a bit of welding here on the nose wheel nose there it's come a long way hasn't it yeah This, of course, uh, this is the last of the fellows that flew in the river that's been down here working. Okay. Uh, yeah. The big, um, this is a four-star American general, American general who paid a visit down here when I was hangar manager. This old fella is 96, he's still going, he just this year has given it away. Okay. Um, used to drive his Mercedes down here. Yep. He was, when they brought the Libs into the into Australia, the Yanks, they took one or two of our boys in the cruise. And old Ed was one of them, he was a pilot. Okay. And he'd done a tour with the Yanks and then uh, for familiarisation and then he came back to Tocumwall and he converted pilots from other planes onto Liberators. So he, when he, this four-star general was coming I said, rung him up and I said, you better come down and you can talk to these Yanks. Yep. So, uh, he come down after he's talking for a little while. He said, "I flew with your this fellow's father." Wow! Isn't that <laughs> Small amazing? world, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. And somebody asked him for a flag, so he sent the flag in that cloth-covered box, and the flag folded like that. Yep. 
and he flew it over the courtyard. He was based in Hawaii, of course. Yeah. So that's the certificate they were, and they flew it, okay. and that's his letter to me. Brilliant. Well, you're obviously doing a wonderful job here. Your team uh, putting this aircraft back together, and it, it's uh, an amazing piece of history. Oh yes, there's a lot of history in this shed. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you very much for the tour. Well, Matt. I hope you got a bit out of it. Absolutely. Oh, we got a lot. lot. Very, very uh, great privilege to be able to go around the B24 with you today, Nat. Really, uh, really enjoyed that, and lots of bits and pieces I'd never heard before, and lots of stuff that I'm um, really pleased that we managed to capture for the uh, the podcast today. Yeah. So thank you again. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Okay. That was the Wings Over New Zealand show with Dave Homewood. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.